Hey, and welcome to the show today. You're listening to SinSensor.com, Feel Your Heart podcast. And we have another really great show for you today. This podcast is made by SinSensor.com, the leading relationship institute for relationship skills and courses based on science made practical. To get the one-hour free webinar that will give you the key skills to get a safe, intimate, and passionate relationship, just go to SinSensor.com and sign up. The link is in the description below. Don't forget to subscribe to this channel and leave a review. It really helps me keep the positive energy going to make more podcasts. So I want to welcome Jenny Miller to the podcast today. Jenny Miller is author of a book that you can get on Amazon and I'll link in the description below called Boundaries, How to Draw the Line in Your Head, Heart and Home. And I'm really excited about having this discussion today because it's a topic I'm really passionate about. And often I have many passionate debates with people about this, often because I say that I think freedom is found within boundaries and people often look at me like I'm strange or weird. And I say, you know, that love cannot exist without boundaries. And again, people often think, what's that? That doesn't make any sense. What does that have to do with each other? So yeah, first of all, thank you for coming on the podcast, Jenny. Um, I really appreciate that a lot. You're very welcome. Lovely, lovely to meet you. Yeah, you too. I thought what maybe would be a good start, just so people can also get to know you a bit before we get into talking about all the boundaries stuff, is to just know what actually motivated you to to write this book in the first place. Because normally people have a reason for why they, you know, bother mm. writing a whole book. I've done it myself and it's a lot of effort. So I'm just interested in what your motivation was for doing this. Well, um, boundaries. So I'm a qualified psychotherapist. And before that, I trained as a counselor. And boundaries are something that is sort of scattered throughout your training. Throughout your training, boundaries are talked about in terms of practical things like keeping the time um, through to emotional boundaries, you know, and how to protect yourself from not sort of sinking with your clients. So boundaries are constantly sprinkled throughout your training. So it was something I'd become very familiar with. I've been in this world for over 20 years. Um, and then one day I was talking to my writing partner, Victoria, and she was saying to me, um, I, she wants to get off a committee. And she's a journalist and she's on loads of committees and all of these committees you don't get paid for, you know, she gives of her own time. And she's just said, I really need to get off this committee, but I don't know how to. And she gave this great long explanation. And I said, OK, so it sounds like you've really done your time there. You don't need to give chapter and verse. Just write a short email. You know, thank you. Wish you all the best. And she found that incredible. She said, really? What? I don't have to explain myself. And I said, no, no, you don't. So she wrote the first email. And it was still pretty long. And right at the end of it, she'd said, she said, so I wish you all the well. I wish you well. And um, if there's anything I can do to help, let me know. And I said, what have you done there? I said, you're opening the door up again. You're not holding the boundary. You're saying, I'm still here. And you can pop back and get me whenever you want. So she wrote the email again with just a, Thank you, but done my bit. Wish you all the best. Goodbye. She felt incredibly nervous sending it. And I think this is quite common. I think when people hold a boundary for the first time, it can feel really scary. Um, I said, it'll be okay. I promise you it will be okay. 
She had to wait 24 hours. She got this lovely email back saying, thank you so much. Really appreciate everything you've given to us. Wish you all the best. And she was absolutely amazed at that. And she said to me, what, what was that? And I said, it's boundaries. This is boundaries. And she said, oh, Jenny, can you give me a book to read on this? Have you got something? And I looked through all my workbooks. And I said, I haven't really. And I said, it's sort of, there's bits here and there, but I don't have anything definitive. And she said, okay, great. We'll write the book. And I laughed and I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she said, no, 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 I'm serious, Jenny. We'll write the book. And that's how it came about. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that story. And <laughs> I think you highlight again, why boundaries is so important. But actually, there's something you mentioned I want to go into. I was going to do it a bit later, but now you kind of brought this up, which is around that we, I think what you're describing here is how we learn this very strong cultural message that we have to be perceived as good. And and like you said, leaving the door open is this, at least I feel that, oh, I don't want to be perceived as not being nice. So therefore, I have to still leave that they will still see me as being nice, right? So, so we don't want to feel that people don't think we're nice. And how strong that message has been ingrained in us that, yeah. that we have to basically please and accommodate other people to be nice. And I think so often we forget that, or I call it more self-kindness, but kindness you know, really start with being kind to self. And it's really not kind to self to let other people keep doing things that drain us and wears us down. I don't know, yeah. I know it's a bit early to jump in, but maybe since you touched on it, could we maybe yeah. just start there? And, and you know, again, where does this whole idea come from that make it, why is it so hard to set these boundaries? Yeah, well, it, it, it is about this being nice, being kind, perception of what that means mm -hmm. um so um the but though not really so but what we do when we do that when we leave the door open actually conversely we're not being kind we're being messy mm -hmm. so we're sending out a messy signal of i am still here so then the person might think oh two weeks later might think oh actually she said she could still help I'll just drop her an email. So they drop you an email and then it's, oh, well, maybe I should do it. And then what can happen is you, you could then think, okay, oh, okay, right, okay, yeah, I'll help again. But then you might start building up resentment and you might begin to feel really hacked off with them. And you may actually end up having a bit of a grumpy conversation with them of, you know, well, actually, so you might end up actually not being kind. And the other person may think, well, hang on, why are you being grumpy? You know, you, you said you'd help. We may be a bit sulky. So we'll go from being kind or what we see as kind, and then we might actually move somewhere else and actually be a bit grumpy, a bit hacked off, a bit, well, I don't really want to do it. So we end up not being the very thing we want to be. Mm. But if you hold it, the boundary, right at the beginning, keeping it short and clear, the other person knows where they stand. Yeah. And they may be disappointed. I mean, it, it may be, you know, sometimes we have to say, and it's not always just about saying no either, but sometimes, we, you know, often it is the no that we struggle with saying no to someone. Um, but actually expect the other person to be disappointed. We may want to deliver the no in a nice, clean environment where the other person won't react at all. Well, 
that's going to be a fantasy. So expect that actually they may just be disappointed. Maybe, oh, oh, that's a shame. I thought you could or might be a bit cross. Well, you've helped us for years. Why aren't you? But if you hold it, then everyone knows where they stand and the other person can recover their equilibrium. Maybe, okay, I'm disappointed, but fair enough. Yeah, I, I love what you're saying here because again, it brings up some really important points. So I used to create social and emotional learning programs for children in schools here in the UK. And actually we are doing people a big disservice by always trying to protect them from disappointment because we are also doing this to kids in many degrees nowadays. And actually it is why they struggle to learn resilience. And actually part of feeling disappointment, learning how to process disappointment is how we become more resilient human beings. So by caretaking others and always trying to make sure they don't get disappointed, we are doing them a big disservice because we are essentially making them more helpless and not teaching them to learn to deal and trust that they can stand on their own legs, that they can process their own emotions. So this caretaking, often because we don't want to be perceived as bad, actually is harmful for them and for us, like you said, because you describe resentment. And when I, you know, I work with, with couples now too, and when I speak to them often down the line, when they come to me, it's often, sadly, you know, they should have come much earlier. But by then, resentment has built up exactly from what you describe, because they have again and again often even unconsciously, not purposefully, violated each other's boundaries because they simply didn't know that there was a boundary there, right? And they were stepping over the capacity and it builds up and eventually the relationship has been destroyed. So, you know, I say, and especially to women, I think, need to hear that message that they're actually doing a favor to the relationship, right? By setting yeah. a boundary because they prevent resentment from growing that will eventually deteriorate. So they're actually helping the relationship. They're helping their partner. They're helping love and safety because, you know, I, I spoke to someone who said, I don't feel safe. And we started talking about boundaries. And I said, you know, it makes sense because if we don't have a sense of our boundaries and are not able to set them, then the world is a really unsafe place. Because basically anyone can get us to do anything, right? And that doesn't feel safe. I don't know. What do you feel about this? Absolutely. I, I think it is that sense of safety. So starting with your thinking about your work with children you know, and, and with children, when you don't give them boundaries, it can be fantastic. I mean, I can, I can remember at school having a friend who had no there were no boundaries in her life at all she was the youngest she could do whatever she wanted she could have anyone round she could go wherever she wanted and it she really seemed like the cool kid you know and everyone would look on that and think oh god I wish my parents you know, why can't my parents be like that now I I most probably came from the opposite of that my background was actually rigid to firm boundaries mm -hmm. and and so too restricting and it is this finding this middle way. Now, I know for her in later life, she became someone who became really, really boundaried. She most probably went to more to the point of where I've been brought up, more my fact, really strict boundaries, because she just felt she had to impose that for herself. So her journey was to then find the middle ground, but she so wanted boundaries. She felt unsafe. She felt... She didn't feel what it sort of came out as is in many ways she didn't feel valued. Mm -hmm. Now, actually, knowing her mum, that actually wouldn't be the case. But 
there is something about if I value you, if I value your, you, then I want to keep you safe and I'm going to put some boundaries around you. And I think that's something that children really need. It means, oh, I'm, I'm important. And it may be actually, oh, God, I've got to be home at 10 o'clock and I'm really, you know, everyone else is staying out. But also there's a message in there because actually you're really important and I'm going to keep you safe. And that's such an important thing for a child to feel. I love that. Thank you for bringing that up. That's an important message because it shows that we care as parents. Yeah. And you're right. If there's no boundaries, it it's, brings this communication. Actually, we don't really care. Do whatever you want. So I think you're so right that kids feel a sense of safety. And yeah. also you bring up another important point, which is that, well, life is always about a balance, right? And we tend to go from one extreme to another before we slowly find our way to, to yes. a balance. Because you're right. Of course, we need boundaries. And I also notice when I help people with boundaries, suddenly they say no to everything and it can become yes. very harsh. And yes. I say we can still be, you know, polite and kind by setting a boundary, etc. Yeah. Um, but again, it's finding that. But what I found interesting, and I don't know if you had the same, but I feel it's probably more for women, this cultural message than for men, at least in, in my perception, where yeah. women grow up and learning that they had to really people please and they have to make other people at the expense of themselves. I feel that's more a message, smoke. And I even see with my daughter, who's five, how she get this message in school and she'll come and tell me. And, you know, even when somebody bit her ear the other day and hit her, she said, oh, I'm not allowed to do anything. I said, of course you are. Um, and she said, no, then I get in trouble and my teachers say I'm not good. And I said, but that's not correct. If somebody bites you, then first of all, you are allowed to say stop. And if they don't, you're allowed to push them away and then you go yes. get help. And she said, no, I can't push. I said, of course, if somebody physically violate you and don't stop, mm -hmm. then yes, you can use physical force to create a safe space for yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. And she said, yeah. no, my teacher said, no, I have to be a good girl. And I said, a good girl is somebody who look out for yourself and protect yourself and value and ensure that other people respect your body. And I had to do a lot of work with her where we do play. And, you know, I tell her to say stop and then we play with that and I stop and I tell her sometimes now I'm not going to stop and you have to then physically push me away. And she does. And that have given her that sense, like you talked about, feeling safe mm -hmm. again. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, what, what do you think that connection is? I think is? that's lovely. I think that's lovely what you've just said about how, working with your daughter like that. That's so, that's a fantastic technique. Because I see so many women that haven't learned, you know, the and mm. I work with women who've been violated. They get violated at work. They get violated going out by men. And, yeah. and often they even, you know, I spoke to my friend. She called me up a couple of weeks ago and say this man had invited her out and he really violated her on the first date and started groping her. And mm. and she said, oh, now I feel really bad telling him not to contact me. And my mind was just, blow. you feel bad? This guy mm. has violated. And, and again, it brought up this shame around women mm. having the right to have boundaries and say, this yeah. is my body. Don't touch my body. And that that sometimes needs a justification. And I'm like, no, your boundary needs no justification. If you don't want to be touched, people shouldn't. Yeah. So I don't know if you want to comment on that. It's just yes. I, I've seen this no. so much. I, I think it's and you. I think it's it's worrying me still the case. And I, I was actually I was listening to um, a, a, another podcast this morning, um, and it was about the returning of club culture mm. and how. 
could one of the things when club culture is returned, could one of the things be that women aren't inappropriately touched? Men sometimes as well, but predominantly women, you know, from just the hand and the small of the back to move you out the way. Don't do that. If they can't hear you, tap someone on the shoulder, you know, up there, it's fine. Small of the back isn't. And then everything else, the groping, the everything else. And they're saying, actually, if that is one thing that could be changed when club culture comes back, wouldn't that be fantastic? So I think there is something about women finding it hard to turn around and say no and shame, you know, on a packed tube to be able to say out loud, someone has their hand on my bum, get it off, you know, and what, but it's always like that. Well, no, I can't speak out. I think it is a real problem um, and it is something that actually with our, our girls and boys we need to change because it's not only the education of the girls to be able to say this is your boundary imagine your boundary around you you decide who steps through that and who doesn't yeah. but also we need the same thing with boys and you've got a boundary around that and you decide who steps through but for both it's and really be aware of how okay is it to step into someone else's boundary. Yeah. And you know, it's really incredible that we don't teach these skills. Again, I've obviously worked with this because I used to, yes. to work with, with children in UK schools and also even for men to learn, you know, what is a consent conversation? When I mention this to men, they have no idea what I'm talking about. And I said, yes. this is quite an important skill to learn as an yeah. adult man. To And they don't know because nobody has ever taught them. I don't think it's because they're evil. They're just, they've never been taught. No. And it's important to know and be able to have, uh, you know, a consent conversation. When I used to yeah. go on dates, I don't do now, but when I used to, I would have consent conversations. I would literally just bring yeah. it out and I would ask them, what is okay for you? How close do you want to be? And then exactly. they could obviously say, oh, I need a bit more distance. And actually the interesting thing is people would say, oh, that's weird. Actually what it did is it built a lot of trust. And what I yeah. noticed was that the women I went on dates with really trusted me, which makes sense because they could instantly mm. sense that both I cared about their boundaries and I respected yeah. it. And that's how you build trust, right? And at the yes. same time, I felt relaxed because I know I was not violating any boundaries. Yes. So I could just feel yeah. relaxed and yeah. both people had a good time. Um, yeah. But again, it's a skill we have to learn, right? And, and kind is. of be taught. Yeah, I think um, so I heard someone say, and I thought this is a really good point. It's not just saying yes. It's not just giving consent. It's being, it's an enthusiastic yes. Mm -hmm. So then, it, so if someone has a genuine enthusiastic yes, you know, then you think, great, you know, whereas actually if someone is going, yes, maybe, that's, uh, that's not a yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like yeah. that. And I think that actually it's important you bring that up because somebody asked me what is consent not so long ago. And mm -hmm. I think what you're saying is so important because in our culture, again, we think that yes is consent and it's not because also a yes is only consent if it's not based on any kind of fear or anxiety around negative consequences. So very often people will say yes because you know, even in a relationship, somebody might say yes to sex because they worry about negative consequences. They might worry about being left. They might worry about cheating. Yeah. And that's actually not consent. So like you said, and, and you communicated well with an emotion of enthusiasm, but essentially yes. that means that it's a yes where there's no fear or anxiety, right, of negative yeah. consequences. And only if that is absence, 
would I say it's actually consent? Everything else is somebody operating under pressure, right? And feeling they yeah. same with the boss. If you say you might say yes, but because you worry <laughs> getting fired, is that consent? Well, in my book, it's not at least. No, um, no. You know, yeah. so so yeah, I think it's just good that we can have this debate because people don't really mm. talk about this, and we need to start talking about it. Um, yes, yeah. So I absolutely. wanted to ask you a bit about the correlation between boundaries and and the idea of people pleasing. I guess you mentioned a bit with your mm -hmm. friend in the initial story, this leaving the door open and saying, "Oh, if you need anything," because that is a bit people pleasing, right? And yeah, and, and you know, how does these kind of block each other and get in the way of each other? Mm, yes. Well, it's it's about having respect for yourself to start with. The moment we go to that pleasing the other, we we've lost ourselves. You know, it is the old saying, you know, no one respects the doormat. You know, you may be a lovely doormat, you may have pretty flowers on you, and you may be saying, Welcome, come in, come in, come in. But actually, what do we do? We just wipe our shoes on it. We don't actually really respect it. So if we respect ourselves, we're able to say, actually, my workload is up here. I need to say no or you know, no to that piece of work. Or I've got a friend saying, oh, you know, please come out. I had um, an interview with um, someone interviewed me for an article in, I think it was The Telegraph. Um, again, on the worry about the social life coming back in and getting busy and that whole FOMO thing, how am I going to be able to say no? Because actually I've realized, a lot of people are realizing, actually, you know, I quite like my own company. And yes, it would be nice to go out. But if I think back to what I was doing, I don't want to do that. Mm. Oh, but I'm going to have to say no. I'm going to have to, you know, and, and the worry of that, and maybe that means I won't be asked again. Well, if you're worried about someone not asking you again to go to, I don't know, go to the pub, go to the club, go to the cinema, what's that friendship about? Mm. Is that a friendship? Surely a friendship, a relationship is to be able to say, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to do that that weekend, but it'd be lovely to see you soon. You know, could we put something in the diary a bit further on? Yeah. And if someone is a bit, oh, oh, and you don't hear from them, well, that's not, that's not a relationship anyway. Yeah, I think that's really important that we, we realize that. And also, I think there's actually, and this uh, I know will make probably a lot of people shake their head. What is he talking about? But I, for me, I think there's a beautiful value in the fact that boundaries can bring up conflict because I think trust and safety in a relationship and more attachment is actually created when we have small conflicts and yet we choose to turn towards each other and solve them together. That is actually where attachment and trust is slowly built because we can all get mm. on when we have fun and when we enjoy doing, you know, that's easy, right? Just like yeah. falling in love. It doesn't take in. But the real value where we see is this safe is actually when there's disagreement, when somebody puts up a boundary and, oh, that doesn't feel good. Mm. And I had that mm -hmm. with one of my dear friends, like whenever it was that lockdown eased up um, and, you know, we were going to we were just going to go for a walk in nature. And and he suddenly cancelled and said, oh, actually, I'm doing it with somebody else. And I had specifically set that time aside for him. And again, being isolated, I wanted to do something that day. We could finally meet somebody outside. Right. 
and mm. I could feel the tension. And first, I didn't want to say it, like you said, because it's uncomfortable. But then yes. I felt no, because you know that will damage the relationship. So I said to him that I understand. Sometimes we get other offers that's more enticing, and we want to do that. But it's not respecting my time and the fact that I set this time aside. So next time for this to work, you need to let me know in good time. You know, at least the day before. And if you can't, I expect you to respect what we organize, just like I do. And initially, yeah. he said it triggered him a bit because nobody likes to feel told off. But actually, it brought us closer. And he came back good. and he acknowledged that and he apologized. And we found a way that worked for both of us going forward. And actually, more mm. trust was built. In that yeah. relationship, because yeah. of that little conflict that occurred, yeah. right? Yes, and he and you're you're modeling there your boundaries, but also you're modeling respect. I respect myself enough to be able to say that's not okay, mm. and then through that, his respect grew for you. I would say it sounds like. Yeah, and I also think it comes from having a trust that. We are human beings. We mess up, and people don't necessarily do it because they're evil. So the yeah. boundary doesn't have to be harsh and angry. It can more mm. be vulnerable, you know. And I think that's why I was well received. I said this makes me feel like you said not valued. Um, mm. You know, if suddenly you know you get discarded and you choose to see somebody else with no notice, and I think he yeah. could hear that. I said, you know, how would that feel if it was reversed? So I yes. think because I had the presumption he's a good person. And he didn't mm. do it with mean intent. I could also show up and be vulnerable, and that probably made it much easier for him to hear. Yes, yes, so, absolutely. Yes. I want to speak yes. to you a bit about how, because again, to get a bit practical, you know, so people yes. might sit there. Yeah, boundaries is great. We get why we need it. It sounds really healthy and good. Um, but how do we start? If you live the life, you know, letting other people do what they want and not really having boundaries. How do we start even finding our boundaries, right? Like, and even becoming aware of what they are? Well, um, we do. I created a visualization in the book at the beginning of the book about imagining your own boundary and picturing it and what it looks like, and then bringing other people into, into the into the into the picture not into your boundary but into the picture that you've created and that helps people to have a sense of creating something and then seeing actually maybe it's not as robust as it can be so sometimes people, so the person you get the person to sort of close their eyes and do some deep breaths and you picture yourself standing in a field empty beautiful empty field lovely green grass, blue sky, maybe a few trees, can hear a few birds, nice warm breeze. And first of all, you just look around and you think, how does this feel? You know, you just notice how that feels standing there. And then your boundary appears around you and you go with whatever comes to mind. So now you're standing in your field within your boundary, whatever that boundary is. And you turn around within your boundary and you have a good look around it because sometimes the bank, people's boundaries are different. As they turn around, they may say, oh, actually, there's a gap there or it's completely different there. And then you come back and you're looking around and then in your field, all the people in your life begin to appear. 
So your partners and families and friends and work colleagues, and you just again notice, oh, how do I feel now? You know, what's it like now? Who's near the boundary? Who's far away? So in un unpicking that, it helps you to see actually, maybe my boundary is too solid. You know, sometimes people can really envisage something quite solid and maybe they need to loosen that and change that a bit. Um, sometimes people picture something like a picket fence, which might be very pretty, nice white picket fence, but actually anyone can climb over a picket fence, you know, or climb through. So how do you, you know, how do you control that? Um, sometimes people have a really high hedge. So the boundaries really vary. Um, and no boundary is right and no boundary is wrong. It's about, okay, so what does that mean for me? And maybe in that, how healthy is it? What might I need to change? So sometimes people might need to start rather than thinking about, right, I've got to go in and tell my boss back off tomorrow. That's just probably going to be a bit too much of a big leap. It might be more starting a boundary of, with yourself before you start imposing it with anyone else. So that could be, um, you might be really bad at getting yourself to bed on time. You may think every night, every night, I'm going to go to bed at 11 o'clock and then suddenly it's 12 o'clock, one o'clock. That could be the first boundary you could start. Okay, what about if I set a really good, a, a time that actually I know I'm sleepy, I know I need to go to bed. So what time do I need to turn all my tech off? Because tech in a bedroom is a very bad idea. What time do I, so if I, if I set myself a bedtime, say for 10.30, what are all the things I need to do beforehand to make sure I hit that bedtime? So if you start doing something like that, something that is doable, is achievable, and then you notice how you feel. Well, first of all, you must probably feel better because you're getting more sleep. But you kind of then, it's like, okay, I can do this. So the, you start, or it could be, I know I don't drink enough water. You know, I'm always being told, drink more water. Okay, I'm going to set that boundary. I'm going to have a water bottle with me. Wherever I go, I'm going to drink that water every day. So you start off quite small with a self-boundary. And then it could be spreading it out to others, which might be, um, starting in the home with a partner or children, you know, one boundary. It could be, I don't know, it could be, um, well, something we talk about in the book is how um, there's a couple who both really wanted to get fit, both needed to get fit. And one really took it on, was going to the gym, and the other one did that for a bit, and then they just dropped off. And then one would be stepping out the door to go to the gym and they'd see their partner on the sofa and they'd say, oh, I could just go and sit on the sofa and not go to the gym. But to hold that boundary, because actually you're feeling, it's quite hard to keep going, but I know I feel better if I go. I'm leaving them and I know they need to go. Maybe I should, no, you keep doing what you need to do. You're modeling something healthy to your partner. And the conversation might be, okay, gym doesn't suit you. Let's find something else for you to do that will help you get fit. Mm, I'd, I'd like what you say, starting with self 
because yes. I think you're right. That's a really good starting point, especially if people haven't, you know, done boundary before. And I, I trained in San Francisco in somatic therapy, working with the yes. body. And there's a way actually to do this with self as well, where simply when you walk around, of course, it's Corona now, but in more normal times, if you walk around the space and have people around you, you can even imagine having a bubble and you can kind of sense what space, how close you want to be yeah. to people. And you can start noticing actually when does the space feel uncomfortable and then move away, you know, and that's yourself start to notice where is my boundary actually around space? How close to, because normally it's just we are unconscious and it's just happened automatically and we let things happen and we haven't really trained to feel in our body sensation, what feels mm. uncomfortable, you know, actually I feel a bit tense now and then listen to the body because it's telling us something, right? It's telling yes, you actually, I want you, I want you to have more space because that's where you feel safe. So you can start and even, you know, I like what you said, start in a safe place, maybe with a partner, because I would also say you can do this then physically with someone you trust, like a close friend or partner, where you can even say, you know, um, let's sit down and you can of course explain it to them and and you know you start touching me and I will feel when it feels uncomfortable and as soon as it does I'll say stop and you stop and it's a great exercise yeah. of not having to caretake the person touching you and practice you can even close your eyes so just feel sensation when does it yes. start when does the body feel uncomfortable because I think we train our thought cognitive process so much mm -hmm. right through mm. that's our education it's all about cognition that yeah. we forgot a bit this somatic intelligence that the body yeah. is actually sending us signals all the time through tension. We might, you know, when I'm angry, my jaw is tense. And when yes. we can notice this, we kind of know that something is not right. And then we can start listening. And also sometimes we know it somatically before we know logically what's wrong, right? I might not be able to explain why I don't yeah. want to go out with this person. I can just feel I'm tense in my stomach. Um, yes. And yes. it's okay to say, actually, I don't want this right now. And if they say why, to say, I don't know in this moment, but I'll let you know when, when I do know, you know? Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yes. So yeah. I guess we gave people some good ideas here, your visualization I exercise so. and then yes. the somatic practice to start getting in touch <laughs> yes, with that. Good. Um, yes, absolutely. What can, what can people do? Because I think, and you talked about this in the beginning a bit, that one of the challenges of expressing boundaries is fear right we have a fear of what is mm -hmm. going to be the consequences of these boundaries are people not going to like me what are ways that we can work to to try and overcome that fear that because we might again now we help people how they can recognize their boundaries they might know them but they yeah. still feel fearful about expressing them what can they do well so it is it is taking that first step and finding out and it's okay I think it's accept it is accepting that the other may be they may look a bit cross they may they may not understand you may not hear back so um so like with the email I was talking about Victoria had to wait t over 24 hours I think actually for a response you know so you may think oh God, you know I'm in trouble and you know or it's going to be an awful email back or what if I don't you know you go into all the fantasy but actually, it is. It, if you feel uncomfortable, this may sound odd, but if you feel uncomfortable, then you know you're doing the right thing. Mm, yeah. When when we feel comfortable and we go, oh, oh, okay, I'll do it. I'll come. I'll do that piece of work. Oh, fine. I don't normally work in the evenings. All right, I will see you at eight o'clock at night, work wise or something. 
and we feel comfortable because we're doing the, the good, we're being the pleasing. That's not good. When, when we say the no, so our bodies, oh, I feel really uncomfortable about this. I may have a dry mouth. My shoulders may be up around my ears. My stomach may be whirring away. Okay, that's good. Mm, I like that. Tell, tell yourself that's a good sign because I'm doing something different. So it's not going to be comfortable. Yeah, that's, I love that because growth isn't comfortable when we step outside these yeah. ideas that we have learned. But eventually, as we get used to it, it, it does. And that's why I love what you said before about, you know, maybe start with your husband first yourself then. And I think it's mm -hmm. important to start with a more safe person, people we already have trust with to practice, right? Because as we get yeah. some positive reinforcement, it then becomes easier to go out mm -hmm. and do it with a boss or maybe a friend we don't know so well. So I think yeah. rather than practice where we are most likely to get a, a more harsh feedback. It's important to start when we, people are more likely to engage with us and our discomfort in, in, a, in a nice, kind way, right? So I like yes. what you said, start with somebody close to you. And I would say the same, you know, start practicing yeah. with a close friend that you've known for 20 years. They're probably not yes. going <laughs> to run away because you set a boundary. And, and then yeah. as you get comfortable and get that positive reinforcement by seeing how you can make it work, mm. then you can start you know, playing with doing this with your boss, with whoever else you need to do that with. Yes. Um, and, yeah. and, and you also, like you said, the worry. I, I personally, I use journaling or not. I don't know if that's something you recommend, but I, I think, think it's a good we, idea. Yes. We so often believe all these stories that I had. And we have to remember that all they are stories. Like you said, all these mm. possible consequences and negative responses. And yes. we often believe they're real and we feel so anxious and we forget yeah. it's just a fantasy world. It's a list stage. It's really, so it's good to write them down, right? And look at them. Yes. And sometimes I can look at these stories, my head make up. <laughs> and when I read it, I start laughing. I'm yeah. like, oh my God, this is a Hollywood drama film. Like, yes. Where, where, yes. Did, I, where yes. did I come up with this nonsense? You know, yeah. reality yeah. is never really that bad. You know, I'm 42, yeah. I'm still alive. <laughs> Life still worked out. What is all these worries that we actually have? And, you know, I lost friends and I made new friends and we're still okay. So yeah. I just find yeah. that I don't know. What do you think about journaling as a tool to just reflect on, on all this yeah. drama that goes on in our head? I think I think can be very helpful. It can be very helpful to get it, get remove it from us. And like you say, you see it in black and white, and it can just seem, oh, really? You yeah, <laughs> quite laughable sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wanted to ask you before here at the end: Do you have any like key points from the book that you think would be? interesting to mention for people and like i said i will link in the description afterwards as well so people can go get the book thank you um and actually it it the um it's come out in a paperback now and that's the one that's more available and it's actually now called boundaries say no without guilt okay okay so, thank you thank and you I for think correcting it will that. it will link through from the the old title same book different cover it's just read and been given a poppier Nice. Covered so we'll link, yeah. we'll link to the right one and the right yeah. uh, uh, title below. <laughs> Is there any like key things from the book you wanted to mention here at the end that you think we kind of missed in the discussion? Um, I suppose one one thing I was just thinking about was how. So I'm I'm a transactional analysis psychotherapist, which is a bit of a mouthful, isn't it? But it is about when one of the ideas is that how and we we sort of go into it in the book, but it is about how 
we're not the same person all the time. We're made up of almost like diff different parts of us. Mm -hmm. And in TA, we call that the parent, the adult and the child. Mm -hmm. And what can help is when we have something like the, those scary fantasy feelings, that's that young part of us. When we talk about the child ego state, it's young us. It's all our, our memories and our feelings and our experiences from childhood. Mm. And when we are feeling that, the chances are it's that young part of us that is feeling that. So we may think, oh, I'm going to be in trouble. What can help is if an actual child came to you, so you're sort of like talking about your daughter. So if, you know, if you have a child or you just imagine a child coming to you and if they were saying, oh, I, I, I'm really worried about saying no and I'm really scared and, and everyone's going to hate me. How would we respond to them? Mm. We'd be soothing. We'd say, oh, come on, it's okay. Come have a cuddle. You know, that's not going to happen. We'd be very soothing. We'd be very kind. We need to be that with ourselves as well. So when that part of us is, oh, scared, sweet. okay, that's young me that's scared right now. I need to be that good parent to me and say, it's okay. Come on, you can do this. Be your own cheerleader. You can do this. You're going to be okay. You're safe. I love that. And I think that can be really helpful, actually. Yeah. I love that because I think so often we learn strategies for how to feel safe as children and then without challenging or looking at them we just relive them throughout life right and engage with them yes, even though we are now yes. adults and we are not helpless the way we were to some degree when we were a child and formed these strategies and yeah. I've done a lot exactly what you said actually which has been really helpful for me where like you said parent myself where if I feel these kind of anxieties I actually visualize myself as a child and I will ask that little child what do you need to feel safe right now And, yes, and and then lovely. I imagine myself as a little child telling me as an adult now, okay, this is what I'm scared, whatever, that they won't be my friend and I'll be alone, whatever it is that I was scared of as a child when I let people violate my boundaries. And then yes. I will look at, at myself as a child, literally visualizing, and I'll say, I got you, you're safe, I will be your friend and I'm not yeah. going to abandon you no matter what. And no. then, you know, slowly as I done that, I actually felt my body start becoming more calm I felt yes. my stomach be, be less tense and I actually mm. felt somatically my body start becoming more relaxed when, you know, I had to assert. So I love that you brought that up and said, you know, parent, because to some extent we do. We have to remember that child yeah. still is inside us. It's still part of our programming. Absolutely. And people say, however old we get, people often say, you know, you say someone who meets someone who's in their 90s, they'll often say, I feel exactly the same as I did when I was 10. Yeah. You know, and it is... we. Don't change. I suppose the other final bit is, is it's employing the good parent, the kind and loving parent. But there can be another side to the parent ego state, which is the controlling, mm. critical parent, which might be saying, oh, but you should. You should go and do that. Mm. Yeah, pull yourself together. Don't, you know, pull your, pull your bootstraps up. And really, you should, you know, so when you hear the should... Okay, that's not the helpful side of the parent. Nice. And that's the side we need to say, okay, I've heard you, but that's not helpful right now. Yeah, I like that. And that, that's yeah. where, again, the, the kindness come in, right? To self start yeah. with being kind. We are so self-critical. It's insane. Yeah. We have so yeah. much empathy for other people. And, and, you know, I spoke to someone and she kept telling me all these 
things about herself. And I said, wow, you're such a bully to yourself. I said, you're yes. such a kind person, but the way you speak to yourself, I said, stop bullying yourself. Yeah. And, and she realized, she said, really, why am I bullying myself? I said, if you talk that way to somebody else, wouldn't you think that would be a bully? And she said, yeah. Yes. I said, then why would you talk that way to yourself? That's not how you talk to me if I mess up. You're really no. kind and you encourage me. I said, then why can you not do that with yourself? And she kind of realized, wow, yeah, mm -hmm. I am really being a bully towards myself. Yes, 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 yeah. So Good. I, I think this is a wonderful way to end. All I want to, I want to ask you just before we end, where can people find more about you if they obviously want to get in contact with you and speak to you etc um so i'm i'm got a website jenny miller counseling um.co.uk so you can find me there yes brilliant and we'll link to the book as well so people can can go find that but thank you so thank much you. for coming on and sharing your knowledge and your experience and and also about your book it's really appreciated I hope you enjoyed the show today. Don't forget to subscribe to this channel and come back for our new weekly podcast. Also, leave a review to keep the positive energy going that really keeps me motivated to make more of these podcasts. If you want to learn the key skills to a safe, intimate, and passionate relationship, then head over to sensor.com and join the free one-hour webinar. The link is in the description. You'll learn the four reasons that relationships break down, the how your attachment style may fuel conflict with your partner and how to break that cycle, why people cheat and the one tip that can prevent it, the simple three-step formula to lasting love. So thank you for joining us today and I look forward to seeing you next week for another podcast. <laughs>